Hello, and welcome to the Hope Station podcast. I am your host, Diane Bells. And today is the fourth episode in a five-part series I'm calling Characteristics of Heroes. Today, I'll be sharing the power and beauty of resilience. Anyone who's trying to do great things to make a positive impact in the world will face setbacks, hiccups, screw-ups, and fall downs. Falling down is rarely fun unless you're a stunt double or you're playing London Bridges. (laughs) I think I just dated myself with that game. There is a risk to stepping out to solve a problem that seems impossible to solve. There is a risk to lighting a spark that will fuel the flame of change. There is a risk to stepping out and feeling passionate and purposeful about your life. There is also a risk when you choose to do nothing but sit back and watch the world go by. Because if you're not taking risk, you're not growing. Playing it safe will keep you in the same place when others are moving forward. They are willing to feel the fear of failure that you might be dreading to feel. John Maxwell is a legendary leadership author and coach. He calls this failing forward. It's the process of moving forward. Even when you feel like you're failing, you decide to pick yourself up and keep going. See, rather than beat yourself up, you pick yourself up and take the failure as a lesson you need to learn an opportunity for you to grow and see it as a yield sign, not a stop sign. Oh, a couple years ago, I read a book about resilience and the author used the analogy of planting two acorns in two very different locations. One acorn was planted alone on a cliff at the edge of the sea. To survive the brutal force of the winds and rain, the tree had to develop deep, strong roots. These deep roots acted as an anchor for the tree in the soil to keep it both straight and stable. Those deep roots allowed it to absorb nutrients and water to produce what the tree needs to grow. The other acorn was planted in the forest, protected by other trees, and shielded from extreme shifts in temperature. That tree's roots were shallow because it never had been fully tested. Any fierce wind had the possibility of blowing that tree over because it did not learn the necessary lesson of how to build resilience. Living in Florida, I saw the after effects of Hurricane Ian. I could see the results of the tree with deep roots because they withstood up to Category 5 winds. Then there were these trees scattered all over the place, over the highways, laying on roofs, shattering fences, and pulling down power lines. You could see their shallow roots. Resilience is something that we all want. What we don't want is what might be 
the pathway that we need to go down and develop this heroic characteristic. Challenges, pains, problems, adversity are all seeds that are planted into our hearts, our minds, and our souls that help us to withstand life when it blows in with hurricane force. I've had a few of those hurricane force trials in my life. The guests on my podcast were faced with light-threatening diagnosis, painful discoveries, children that seem unreachable, a spouse that has abused you and you don't know how to live and love again. For each one of them, resilience was key to them getting up and moving forward. It wasn't that they just popped up right away in the midst of adversity. Sometimes they were crawling ahead, literally. They were crawling because they could not get up due to physical uh, conditions. The truth is we never know how resilient we will be until we are tested, knocked down, and facing a challenge or an obstacle that seems impossible to surmount. Only then will you know how deep your roots are, how resilient you will be in this situation. So often we think we have faith until it is tested. We think that we have the capacity to forgive until someone does something to us or to someone that we love that we deem as unforgivable. You might desire purpose in your life, yet you don't want to sacrifice your time, your talents, or your treasures to live it. Long-term success, long-term happiness, long-term stability in our lives requires resilience. A desire to be excellent at anything requires resilience. A determination to win requires resilience. My youngest granddaughter, Sophia, is a very resilient child. I want to share with you a very relatable story. Sophie desperately wanted to learn how to ride a bike. She'd practiced riding her new bike on the grass in her yard since she lived on a busy street with a 50 mile per hour speed limit. Definitely not the road you want to practice a new skill on for sure. A friend of mine suggested that I bring her to a schoolyard and let her practice in the parking lot on a weekend. Thought that was a great idea. I had a very frank discussion with Sophia about the risk of riding her bicycle on asphalt. I told her if you fall, there is a bigger chance of getting hurt than if you fall on the grass. To make sure that she understood the risk she was about to to agree to, I asked her, what are you going to do if you fall down? She didn't even take a second to answer that question. She said, I'll get up and get back on the bike. I said, okay, well, what will you do if you hurt yourself and get a boo-boo? She is so smart. She said, I know, I'll bring band-aids and wipes. Then (laughs) I can take care of the boo-boo. Then I'll get back on the bike. She proved herself ready. So I put her bike in the car and headed to safer training grounds. As expected and prepared for, she fell down and she scraped her ankle. I was so proud of her. 
Rather than staying down, crying, carrying on, she got up, took out the wipes and the band-aids, and took care of her boo-boo herself. <laughs> she was only about five or six at the time. What I love about her is she didn't give up and she got back on that bike. The amazing part is that within one hour, she was riding her bike so fast. She was putting pits in the stomach of this loving grandmother. Resilience is still showing up as Sophie has undergone some medical issues over the last few years. She's not giving up. She feels that there's way too much life for her to live. My husband, Joe, was also a very resilient person. As a teen, he was a track athlete who wanted to high jump. Jumping high, he thought, would also help him with another sport that he loved to play, and that was basketball. He had a desire to dunk. (laughs) That man had a purpose, and he had faith in his ability to learn this skill, even though when the odds were against him because he had flat feet and he didn't have a proper place to practice. One of his neighbors would ask Joe's mom, does Joe ever make it over the bar? See, the neighbor would hear the clanging of the pole hitting the street again and again, days on end. His resilience paid off because he did learn to high jump and he had some good track records for his time. And he was, uh, he earned a full scholarship to college to continue his track career. That man was resilient because he had so many injuries from the work that he did. He was a carpenter and he would fall down, get hurt, break something, cut something, do something, and still keep doing this work that he loved. People like Sophie and Joe are my heroes. These are people, whenever they set a goal, they go for it. They don't allow failures and falling down to stop them. This is why I love my guests. So many of them have demonstrated resilience to keep going when at times the odds seem stacked against them. One of them is definitely my guest, Irene Vexberg. She's a perfect example of a resilient hero. Irene had been through two life-altering car accidents and one near-death experience. These accidents had left her in chronic pain for almost half of her life. Irene was ready to give up. She had enough of the chronic pain and nothing was giving her relief. She was contemplating suicide, down on her knees, begging for the pain to be gone. What she heard during that prayer was a voice prompting her, just keep praying one more prayer. And Irene said, okay, if I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray boldly this time. And her prayer turned into more like an order. This is exactly what I want, Lord, to say that this is what I need to believe that you're there and to believe that this healing will actually come to me. And you know what she got? She got the miracle that she prayed for. It was like every single thing that she asked for had been ticked off. Like I said, like someone had placed an order. And I love this because she rose from the depths of her despair. She stopped thinking about suicide and started to think about she could be dancing again, traveling again, doing the things she loved again. 
and now she's helping others through the same miracle pain reliever that God delivered to Irene. Not giving up has given Irene both a purpose and a platform. She speaks about her miracle, and let me tell you, her resilience is contagious. She has energy that is just infectious. And you can hear Irene's story of resilience on episode number 47. The power and beauty of resilience is that when you develop it, you can shift almost immediately to think about things very differently than what you're seeing in a a particular situation. What I know is you don't have to have two life-altering car accidents and a near-death experience to gain resilience. You can grow resilience, and it starts with your mindset. So what I'm going to do is provide five different ways to build your resilience before tragedy strikes, before challenges, problems, circumstances, and situations that seem out of control happen to you before that hurricane strikes, that disaster strikes. And number one, when something challenging comes your way, try to find something positive in the situation. I think there are people who are naturally good at this, and I have to say I am definitely one of those. And others, it's going to seem like that's impossible. But we can find them. We just have to know how to look for them. Let me tell you, developing resilience paid off when I was faced with two life-changing events, when both my daughter and husband passed away suddenly. I can still feel a tinge of sadness at the loss of my daughter, Jessica, which was over, now it'll be 25 years next month in September. And my husband passed away five years ago in September as well. Both were devastating events in my life. I don't know how or why, but I was given the gift of the to shift my perspective when faced with different situations. So I just want to give you my example. The day that Jessica died, our large family, Joe's one of 10, I'm one of six, started pouring into the house to support me. That many people grieving was so heavy that I felt like I was going to be crushed by the weight of it. There was crying in the kitchen, in the dining room, in the living room. It was so sad, so overwhelming, so devastating. And I paused and just thought, what would Jessica want right now at this moment? Would she want us to be sad and grieving her so deeply? The answer was no. Did she want through her death for our lives to be miserable? No, that's not who Jessica is. What I know she would have wanted is for us to find a reason to laugh and celebrate her life. She loved to laugh and she had such a great laugh. 
the great part about it is I can still recall almost every moment of the day she died. I can tell you what I was wearing, where I was when I found out, what happened when I drove up to tell my husband that our daughter had died. I can remember the details like it happened yesterday. What is also unbelievable is that I can go back in time and find the blessings. And there were so many. I found them that day, and I can still find blessings 25 years later. And I am so grateful for that. One miracle after another occurred, and I just sat back and watched God do his work. To live up to his promises that he will never abandon or desert us. Things I didn't even imagine could happen, happened. See, what happened when I let go and let God, he showed up in so many different places and in so many different ways and so many different times that I am still in all of it. In one of my Bibles, I have a list of all the different miracles. No, not all of them. The big ones, I'll say. And there are days when I'm feeling really discouraged and I go back and say, remember when? Let me tell you, it is awesome to be able to see the gift of positive things, even in challenging situations. Choosing to keep seeing the positive is an act of will and one of the essentials in building resilience. What it gave to me was another gift. This is just another simple example. And this happened about a month after Jessica passed. Joe and I were out to breakfast with my parents and the waitress was really spacey. She was forgetting our drinks, not getting our orders right. It was just something wasn't right. Something was off. And let me tell you, my dad has a hangry problem. <laughs> And I could see that he was going to lose it on the waitress. And I said, no, I need to step in and say something. So I just touched his arm and said, rather than be upset with her, why don't we think that maybe something bad happened to her today? Maybe she learned that someone she loved, she lost. Maybe she got some bad news that's quite devastating and her mind is just not working. Why don't we give her grace and help her today? My father turned to me and he said, thank you for saying that. Sometimes we just get so stuck in our own place that we're not aware of what's happening with others. And by practicing resilience, seeing something positive in all the different situations, and what I saw positive in that situation was, was an opportunity just to be compassionate, to show that there is a different way, that we don't have to argue and get upset and get get it our way. Someone else might be going through a hard time that we don't even realize. And that's what building resilience can do. So <laughs> what I love is that I, I have an impatience problem, that I am still learning, I'm still working on, I'm still looking and choosing to show compassion because I never know what anyone else is going through. 
And each time that I find a positive way to handle a situation or find what I call these little teeny tiny miracles during a crisis or tragedy, I didn't realize that I was building resilience. That's the benefit of doing research. <laughs> you realize, how do I get some resilience? And this is what I'm learning. So I want to ask you a question. What is something in your life right now that you could turn around in your mind and find something positive, even in the difficulty, even in the challenge, even in the devastation, even in the loss? You might not see it right away. You might have to retrain your brain a little and sharpen your eyesight. But I urge you to keep looking. Pray on it. Ask God to show you, give you a sign that he's there and he's working with you and through you during this situation. And once you find that one thing, ask yourself, what else could be a positive outcome of this situation? And once you find these insights, once you learn to have different eyesight, hold on to that gift because they will be like the roots to the tree, your anchor to help you get through the struggles and come out the other side a better person. What I've learned is that by shifting my mind to focus on and find and see the positive is a deeper capacity for compassion, forgiveness, and acceptance. The number two way that you can help yourself build some resilience is to view your challenges as learning opportunities. If you've listened to this podcast for any time, I've mentioned before the technology challenges I had when I'm trying to launch this podcast. Recordings would disappear. Show notes would just evaporate. Guests didn't show up and I had to deliver a solo podcast, which I did 11 different times. Rather than being frustrated, I had a mantra during the early stages. I'm learning. Look at all I've learned. This technology is easy. I learn how and remember how to use it. Take notes and post them on your computer. <laughs> it's for all crazy things that I needed to do. I needed to keep on saying I'm learning, not to be so frustrated with it, not to stop because I wanted to give up like this is just too hard. What I've learned is good things are always hard at the beginning, and then we learn to make them easier. <laughs> so rather than being frustrated wanting to throw my laptop or computer, I would take walks to get rid of the frustration and keep my computer safe. <laughs> and each time I failed in some way, I found the resilience and strength to come back to deliver. 53 episodes. You can either give up or grow up. And I decided I wanted to grow up. The choice is always ours. So I want to ask you another question. Do you want to be resilient? 
go learn something that is difficult for you and stick with it until you get at least above bad at it. After my husband died, I realized I really needed to get out of my comfort zone and challenge myself. Because I knew I had to learn how to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Situations as simple as going out to dinner, going anywhere by myself. I had my husband for 43 years. We were a couple. I wasn't a solo act. I was a duo act. I didn't know how to do life alone. So I learned to lean into the discomfort, not run away from it. Because discomfort was a daily part of my life. So some of the crazy things I did, I took hot yoga classes. I hate the heat. And let me tell you, I'm not that flexible. So I was in uncomfortable temperature and uncomfortable positions. The second thing I did, another crazy thing, is I enrolled in an improv class. I was going to learn how to just go with the flow. Whatever was coming my way, whatever the situation or circumstance, I was going to respond in a way that hopefully would make people laugh. But I didn't realize that there was going to be a graduation. And that meant getting on a stage with my class and then performing in public. Not just in the safety of the class with all of us struggling to learn this skill. The day before the show, I lost my voice. Really, I sounded like Kermit desperately trying to squeak out a word. It was bad. All I was focusing on was my stage fright and the opportunity to feel really foolish, like I could fall flat on my face. And that just sort of shut everything down. Miraculously, oh, my voice came back. <laughs> I got up on the stage. And what I learned to love was the sound of laughter. When a few of my lines sort of landed, it was good. Another thing I learned to do was play golf. I whiffed or lost more balls. A whiff is when you swing and miss and lost more balls than I landed than in the hole. It, it was just, <laughs> I was horrible. And after four years, I'm now just bad. So what did I do is I'm learning, but I'm also learning to have fun and things that I'm not that good at, right? I'm going to art classes with a, a group in my, um, at my church, learning to do watercolors. And I posted these paintings I, I've done. It's like scripture verses and paintings and such in my bedroom, right above where I'm sitting at the desk recording this. I look at it and I said, you know what? This is fun. Playing golf, cheering one another on, celebrating when we've learned a new skill in our art class. This is great. I'm learning how to enjoy things that I'm not good at. What was really uncomfortable was moving 1,100 miles away from home and not knowing one person when I got here. Now I've developed friendships was really uncomfortable, but I'm getting better at it. 
I started a blog on Facebook. I started a podcast. For Pete's sake, I'm doing things that are pushing me out of my comfort zone into the zone I want to be in. And that's the growth zone. Because every day I'm doing things and I'm learning and I'm failing and I'm learning and I'm failing. It's going to get me ready for that next storm that's coming my way. Because it will. It always happens. That's how life works. Really want you to think about something that you can do and get yourself out of the comfort zone. Build that resilience. Be okay with failing, making a mistake, making a fool of yourself. It doesn't matter. (laughs) And then just get up and keep doing it. Number three, how to build resilience is to learn how to regulate your emotions and express your feelings in an appropriate way. (laughs) This is a really important skill to learn because if you live with people, if you work with people, if you see people, if you talk to people, if you drive on the road with people, you're going to find lots of opportunities to regulate your emotions and learn how to express your feelings in an appropriate way. My recommendation is to learn what I call the park process. And this is a method I learned after almost sideswiping another car. The woman I almost hit was so gracious, it shocked me. And it taught me a better way, a different way to react and get in control of my emotions. And I call park. So park is the first thing is you pause. When something comes your way, right? You, you pause, just take a breath, stop, breathe. The next thing is A, acknowledge how you feel and what just happened to you. Next is to respond. I'm going to have a double R here, respond. And when you do so, do it with respect and kindness. Pause, acknowledge, respond, respect, and kindness. So the next time someone cuts you off in traffic, don't put your hand up to gesture to them or to honk your horn. Send up a prayer instead to help you find the positive in this situation. Such as, I do this a simple thank you, that thank you God that we didn't get into an accident. And then I pray and say, I hope that person, that driver gets safely to their destination. Because I worry about them when they're driving so crazy, right? (laughs) I've taught this in my classes. And my students would come back in and said, that stuff works. (laughs) So so try it. Called the Mark Park Method. In today's society, reaction is a new way of living. Someone posts a comment online and scores of people line up to argue with them. Why? (laughs) Does that make you resilient or arrogant? Does this reactionary way of living bring you peace, joy, love into a world that is desperate and in great need of it? Or are you going to bring strife, division? It's up to you. 
So anytime you're in a situation where you want to react and, and say something that maybe in the long run you're not going to want to, I want you just to pause, to put it into park. And what I know is that your body, mind, and spirit will thank you when you pause. Your relationships will thank you. And your resilience will be growing each time a notch or two. I have been in situations where through prayer, I was able to deal with awful words being hurled my way at times when only gentleness and compassion should have been delivered. What I've learned again is God grants us grace to those who are willing to practice it. We get grace because we give grace. My sister has a phrase she uses to quickly analyze a situation as she should react or respond to it. And that is, in the light of eternity, will this matter? And I can tell you it's almost 99.9% of the time, the answer is no. It's not worth us working up energy, working up anger, working up resentment working up this desire to get someone back. It's not. It is worth it to build your resilience. So the fourth thing that you can do to build your resilience muscle is focus on the things you can control instead of dwelling on what you cannot change. Are you glued to your TV, tablet, or phone, deeply immersed into the current news cycle? news and information that we can do nothing about. And did you know that these activities are draining you and wearing down your resilience? It's doing nothing to build it up. The time, energy, and emotions you pour into things you can't change, you can decide to pour into things that you can, like finding your purpose. Our 24-7 news cycle is almost like an instant access to be rubbernecking all the accidents and tragedies that are happening throughout the world. You can change nothing by watching it. You can change something by praying about it. I've learned that way. You can also do something about it by choosing something different to do. And that is focusing your attention on things that you can change. And you probably say, well, that's impossible. I can't change my brain. Well, there are studies that show how our brain works. By putting it into practice that you will focus on things that you can change and let go of as much of the rest as possible, it's going to change how you see things. It's going to help you find the positive. It's going to help you regulate your emotions. It's going to help you stop dwelling in that place that is unhealthy, like being in the news, social media, gossiping, complaining about everything, or too much focus and attention on your past. After 9-11, my husband and I were driving to see our son at college, and we were traveling on our touring motorcycle. Three quarters of a mile 
from our hotel. And I know that because there was a sign on the other side of the highway telling us that a woman made a left-hand turn into oncoming traffic. That would be us. And she hit us. During that period of time, everything happening felt like it was moving in slow motion. See, I was praying that if we died, let it be quick. That was my prayer. My husband was praying that my life would be spared for our sons. That's how much he loved me. He was willing to take that hit, and it did hit him. That driver hit my husband and crushed. The doctor actually said powdered his ankle. There was nothing left. It was like dust. But the bike did not go down. See, this is Joe with his resilience, right? He was so strong and such an athlete and used to being in dangerous situations as a carpenter that the bike stayed up until Joe could drive to the other side to the shoulder of the road. Joe was in the hospital that night as they did their best to relieve his pain. And it was horrible. It was horrible to watch someone you love in that much pain. And as they planned to, um, they had to do surgery to repair that ankle. I went back to our hotel to rest because I know there was going to be a long couple of days. And because of his state of mind with all that pain, I needed to be able to make important decisions or help him make important decisions. So at times like that, my mind had a habit of going to places I didn't want to go. I did not want to keep rewatching this movie of the accident playing in my head. What I know is that I can start dwelling on the past and I can get locked like in a time bubble of thoughts that are never productive and are almost always painful. That's why over the last five years, I've done a lot of mindset work. What I knew that what I needed was rest. And dwelling on the accident was not going to be a solution. What it would do is really put me in a place of fear and anxiety and prolong the trauma. I'm like reliving it every time I'm thinking about it and just letting it circulate through my head. What I did do is I gave myself permission to replay the story in my head one time that night and let it go. Because dwelling on it would not have changed anything positive. Not dwelling on it could do something positive. It could change my mind, teach my mind about what it wants to be focusing on, the positive things. Because in my review of that incident, I saw a lot of miracles that came our way. It might say, does this lady have more miracles than the average person? I doubt it. What I do know is I have the capacity to see my life through a different lens. What others call luck, I call these blessings and miracles when good things happen, when positive things happen. I call them blessings and miracles because I believe that they come from God. One of my favorite scriptures, and I have been repeating this almost daily over the last five months as I'm working with a mindset coach, and it comes from Isaiah 43, 18. 
Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am. God is doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? He is making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. I focus on what is coming and not what was in the past. Not where the things I cannot change. Not where the things that were traumatic and sad and just horrific on so many different levels. Because what I've learned is that dwelling depletes resilience and it sucks the energy and joy and peace and love out of our hearts. It ruins today by worrying about things we can't change and robbing us of today's joy. I really have have a saying, I said, no one's going to steal my joy today. And I really stick to it the majority of times. I can find something. And there are times that I have to really work hard. I'm saying it's hard work to see the positive, to learn the lessons, to not dwell on things that you cannot change. But it is worth it. It's like you're storing resilience in the bank that when you need it, it will be available to you. So number five is you can build your resilience by not seeing yourself as a victim. When I look back at my guests, rape, childhood molestation, emotional and physical abuse, abandonment, disappointment, can all lead to victimhood. Each one of my guests could have chosen to be a victim. They had every reason to say, I'm a victim. Instead, they chose to be a hero. They probably could have, and they probably did cry, woe is me. Why did this happen to me? Why can't I have a positive, beautiful, perfect life? Well, none of us can. But they could have looked for someone else to solve their problems, and they also could have looked to someone else to blame them for their pain. What they did instead was they chose to find a way to solve the problems for themselves and then go and offer that solution to others. They accepted the pain, struggles, and challenges and didn't deem themselves a victim. Did you know that victimhood is a big business? People profit off of your pain. People profit off of your accidents and mishaps and mistakes. How do I know? I see billboards everywhere asking, are you a victim? Workers' comp, accidents, bad medicine, bad doctors, whatever it was. And what you can do is you can choose that route. And sometimes I'm not saying that suing isn't warranted because there are plenty of times that they are. And what's interesting is that people, I think that it's, they're really warranted in suing, choose not to. Because they know once they step into that, they're deciding that they're a victim. What we don't realize that there is a price to pay for being a victim. And you know the one who will pay for that? You. Because you're paying by choosing not to forgive, not to, not to stand firm on your faith, not to find purpose in the pain or the problem, 
and you lose the opportunity to grow your resilience, which I believe is a superpower. One of my guests, Pam Button, wrote a book on the topic of resilience, and it hit an Amazon bestseller. She had so many accidents, incidents, heartbreaks, and bad decisions that left her really questioning what she also had. And she talked in the podcast about this. And her sister said, who's a psychologist, you're the most resilient person I've ever met. That she came back after these challenges each and every time, and she came back better. She shares in her book, Three Keys to Turn Setbacks into Comebacks. Isn't that a great title? And I will have uh, the link to her book in the show notes for today. In doing some research on resilience, I came across an article from Entrepreneur Magazine that is titled, Resilience is the New Normal. Have a Bounce Back from Setbacks. The article states, without resilience, you can easily get overwhelmed by challenges. And what was supposed to be a temporary setback paralyzes you. Your very survival in this new world depends on your ability to adjust and thrive in the face of trauma and hardship. It's coming. And without resilience, you will fall back on unhealthy traits and habits like avoidance and helplessness. Two, not good habits. Resilience not only empowers you to accept, adapt, and move forward in difficult situations. It is also the core strength that makes bearing the load of life possible. So what can you do today to build up your resilience? Do what you can now so that the next time the new cycle hits with some other disaster, destruction, disappointment, it doesn't knock you down. When the next tragedy strikes, you'll have something to strike back with your resilience. I'd love to hear about your resilience journey and you can contact me through the links in the show notes as well. There is one episode left in the series, Characteristics of Heroes. I'm still pondering the characteristic I want to talk about and I believe I know what it is, but I'll keep you guessing and hopefully you'll tune into that show. Until Next week, I wish you a blessed and beautiful week that you will spend time looking for the positive, viewing your challenges as opportunities to learn, finding an opportunity to regulate your emotions. Remember to focus on what you can control and whatever the situation, choose victory over victimhood. My hope is that you will see the beauty and power of building your resilience muscle. And I want to encourage you, don't give up, even when it feels like you're making little progress. Keep moving, keep believing, and I'll be cheering you on (laughs) to become the more resilient and stronger and purposeful you. And I just want to thank you once again for pulling into the Hope Station. Until next time, I pray that you have a blessed and beautiful week.